Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. But the truth is the Holy Spirit has always been active and at work in the world, including the lives of God's children from before the beginning of time, hovering over the dark abyss of chaos, declaring creation into existence, breathing life into being, speaking through the prophets, blowing where she will, bringing good out of evil, order out of chaos, hope out of despair, and life out of death. The Spirit shows up in a powerful way on the day of Pentecost, revealing the truth of God's redemption of the world in Christ in the wide open welcome that is found in the love of God for all of creation, for all people of every nation, every tribe, every race, every creed, every religion, every gender identity, every sexual orientation. But that's not the last time the Spirit showed up with power and possibility for new beginnings and new life, for that is the nature of the Spirit, to bring power from on high and to breathe life into dead people, into dead relationships, into dead dreams, to obliterate death-dealing boundaries that keep people bound in judgment, fear, doubt, and limitation. It is the nature of the Spirit to bring new possibility, to bring new futures, to invite all of God's children home to the table of God's grace and give them the power to claim themselves in all of their identity as God created them, so that we build this beloved community where all are seen and heard and welcomed and know themselves loved and of value. And so, for us to participate in that power of the Spirit that is ours, we have to acknowledge that apart from her, we can do nothing. That all of our plans come to naught unless we truly live and move and have our being in God who is spirit and who alone can lead us into all truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth about those we call other, the truth about what God is doing in the world and wants to do through us, birthing new life and new possibility We have to be willing to surrender to that spirit. Let go of the things that we cling to that are dead, that are death-dealing. Let go of the past so that God can lead us into a new future so that we can be born again from on high. Let's pray. God, we're just stuck in mediocre Content just to get through our days. Content just to survive the rigor of trying to work 
in a pandemic, of trying to come out of a pandemic safely, of trying to survive the economic challenges and all the political and religious angst and hate and anger that is filling our world in this moment. Forgive us, because God, you are calling us to so much more. You are calling us to be birthers of new possibility, of new futures, of the very kingdom of God in the world. And so God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning in our dryness, in our deadness, in our mediocrity, and remind us who we are in you. Remind us what you are about in the world and that the power of your spirit is alive in us and calling us into the world to birth a new future and that we get to be a part of that. Let that fill us with excitement for we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson from the book of Ezekiel that we have for this morning as well as our New Testament lesson from the book of Acts begins with death and sorrow, deep grief and disappointment, dreams long held and hoped for dashed to pieces, fear and doubt and grief, the loss of futures that the community of Israel had planned on, that the disciples had planned on. They are lost in grief. Each of those stories resonates deeply with our story, Bering's story, as we find ourselves in this moment of change and transition, with all the uncertainty that the future holds, with the grief of having invested in what we thought would be our home for the rest of our lives and for generations to come, and finding ourselves unwelcomed, unwanted, that all of the work we have done appears to have come to naught. <laughs> and that's where the Spirit of God breaks out. So I want to start there. <laughs> because the same power that was available to Israel in that valley of dry bones, the same power that was available to those fear-filled, marginalized disciples huddled in that upper room is available to us in this moment of deep change, of having to let go to the past that we so tightly grip onto, of having to let go of a future that we had imagined, that we're convinced is the best future. Because God is about to do something new beyond our wildest imaginations. And we need to let go and let God. And so we join Israel in that valley of dry bones. <laughs> These bones are beyond dead. If you've been in a desert, I go riding on a ranch in the summertime with my grandchildren. And they have a, a boneyard. <laughs> The bones have been bleached white by the scorching sun. They are brittle. There is no life at all in them. There is no possibility of life in this. And that's where Israel found itself when Ezekiel had this vision. The disciples had left everything, their whole lives, to follow this prophet. And they were sure 
that they understood what that future held, and now it's gone, dismantled. Their leader publicly, brutally crucified in a public display of shame and dehumanizing humiliation. The people who are their faith community are after them. If they cross the line, they'll be punished, and they are huddled in fear in that upper room. Fast forward, and here we are in a place of change, having to choose to let go, leave behind, and step forward into God's future. When Ezekiel has his vision, he's actually in exile in Babylon. He was part of the first group that was taken captive when the Babylonian army first swept through Judah, taking a large group of the educated religious political leaders into captivity and enslavement in Babylon. From there, they have watched as the Babylonian army returned and decimated all of Judah, marched into Jerusalem, destroying the city and burning the temple to the ground. This is their faith home. For generations, they have been a part of this system, and now it's gone. And they are in deep despair, dried up bones, no possibility of life. And Ezekiel's carried up in the spirit into this valley of dry bones and asked on behalf of the people of Israel, can these bones live again? Fast forward 500 years. God's people have again lost their way. They've created a religious system that excludes people. The poor. Those who can't pay the temple tax those who have an illness or in some way different, eunuchs, women, those who are considered unclean and therefore labeled unworthy, incompatible, they're excluded. The religious system that is, they have been a part of for generations, that they have given their prayers, their presence, their service, their witness, their gifts to, is excluding them is empowering and privileging a chosen few at the expense of the many. And then along comes this upstart prophet. He's a part of the system too. He's a part of a generation and generations of members of this system. And he begins to challenge it. He says, the Spirit of God is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Release to the captives, to set at liberty the oppressed, to announce the year of the Lord's favor, which meant that the whole economic system had to be challenged so that generational poverty didn't exist, so that everyone had everything they needed to thrive. And when necessary, he violates the purity laws in order to honor the law of God, that we are to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, and that those two commandments define, put boundaries around all the other laws and the prophets. And he so threatens the system that they kill him. They crucify him, and they let his disciples know they're coming for you next. Don't you dare cross the line. Fast forward 2,000 years. 
a group of German immigrants begins to build a faith home in downtown Houston, a place where those who are immigrants who don't speak the English language can find a home where they can be welcomed. And even then they are pushed out to the edge of the city, but that doesn't stop them. Where they relocate in Montrose, they reach out to that community and they continue to extend the boundaries of God's welcome. Even when the church has said, not those folks, they are incompatible with Christian teaching. And what does this group do? They open wide their doors and say, you are welcome here. You are loved by God. You are celebrated by God. And they stand up and they advocate for the full gospel, the full inclusion of the gospel for all of God's people. And they are scorned. They are called sentimentalists. They are called soft. They are called those who wink the eye and cross their fingers behind their back when they say they're proclaiming the word of God. And they are treated as second-class citizens. And for over 49 years, they accept that limitation. Even as they speak out against it, they do not cross the line. And then... The Spirit of God breaks out and dry bones start to come together bone to bone. Sinews form, muscle comes on, skin comes on, and the breath of life is breathed into Israel. And they begin to catch again the vision of God to be the light to all the nations so that whosoever will can come home and find their place at the table of God's grace and know themselves loved and welcomed and celebrated and gift to all the world. The Spirit of God breaks out on a group of disciples huddled in an upper room, terrified to go out and speak the truth of the gospel, knowing it will cost them their religious home that has been theirs for generations in order to open wide the gates to those who've never heard the good news that they too are loved by God, to open wide the gates to those who've been told, no, you don't belong, you are incompatible unless you become just like us and meet these rules. There is not a place here at this table you can sit over there in the corner. And the Spirit of God comes on them and they boldly go out and they proclaim the good news of the gospel in ways that those who have been marginalized can hear and embrace and come home. And today, the Spirit of God has broken out on a congregation in Houston, Texas, in Montrose, who have finally said, no more. We will not participate in the harm of proclaiming a gospel that says you are incompatible you are a second-class citizen. You have to meet all these rules. When God says, I created you just as you are. I delight in who you are. I love who you are. And I want you to come home and claim that identity so that all the world can see the beauty of who you are and what you have to offer the world. The Spirit of God is at work in this moment, helping us let go of the safety of a home that has limited our witness, that has caused harm to those we love, whom God loves, so that we can begin to birth something new, something so radically 
welcoming and inclusive that even we can't get yet our minds around it. And so today, as we boldly take this next step out of deadness and fear and into life and power in the spirit, stepping toward new possibilities in faith, reaching out so that all of creation, all people know that they are cared for and loved by God, we do so not through the eyes of our own understanding, which focuses on the past and all that we've lost, not through the eyes of our understanding, which focuses on the road that we have walked on for 173 years, a road where one by one, the enemy, both within the church and the world, has whispered lies and let off enslaved those God loves and we love, bound by purity laws that reject and harm them. Instead, we step out with the eyes of faith toward God's future, a future where dry bones can indeed come to life, a future where marginalized, fearful disciples in an upper room can indeed become a powerhouse for proclaiming the good news of God's love and welcome, a future where a congregation in Montrose can throw off the chains of oppression and become a powerhouse of life-giving community so that all those who need a place can come home, so that we actually call forth from graves of judgment, condemnation, and self-loathing, we call them forth back into life. The Spirit of God has blown and is blowing through us. And we now know, in a way that we have never known before, that you, Almighty God, are God, and yours is the victory. We now know, in a way that we have not known before, that there is so much more to come that we cannot yet see. And so through the eyes of faith, we step into God's future. We step into that valley of dry bones, dry bones that are ours, dry bones of others. And unafraid, we cry out, come alive, come alive.